Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and at every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the AM PM podcast. We're here today to talk about, I don't know, Jessica, what do you want to talk about? Like, on a, just a general sense, let's get everybody's appetite started. Like, in three words, what are we going to talk about today? Oh, gosh, we're going to talk about um, confidence. Okay. We're going to talk about um, health. And we're going to talk about success. All right. That's three good words. That's pretty broad. We could probably go six hours, but we're going to try to stick it to like 40 minutes. But to start off with, I was reading your profile and you and I have never met until now. So I was kind of stalking you on the the whole speaker sheet and all that stuff. And I was seeing things like Entrepreneur Magazine, TED Talks, Good Morning America, Business Insider, right? Like you have to have some credibility in life to get invited to, to speak or be quoted on those different platforms, right? So what I want to know first is like, how do we get Jessica from Arkansas speaking on these like international levels? Like what's your story from Jessica from Arkansas to expert in whatever we're talking about today? I'm going to give you the Cliff's Notes version. Um, Basically, I uh, was born in, in Arkansas. I had an older sister. We were in a car accident together and she died and I survived. And so there was this uh, this feeling of always um, feeling a little different. I mean, I found out much later in life in therapy that the day that my sister died, I aged emotionally about a decade. And so that makes sense, right? Why I would feel just different than my peers or misunderstood yep. or whatever. And then, um, you know, when I went to college, my mom, um, my dad had worked outside the home and he uh, provided financially. And my mom took care of me. And when my sister died, you know, she again, poured anything that she could into her only surviving child as a mom of three very small kids. I, I can relate to that. Um, and, or I can, I can't relate. I can just only imagine that that would be what you do. You know, you want to just hang on to the, to the survivors. And so when I left for college, I saw how difficult that was on her. And that is when I decided, okay, I need something that if if one day I'm lucky enough to, you know, have a family of my own, to get married and to have children, I need something that is just mine. And that's okay. Because if we all get in a car accident and I'm the only one who survives, I can't have all of my eggs be in these people's baskets, if that makes sense. Um, it was emotional insurance in a way, and whether that's healthy or not, that's just that's just the truth of how that so, all came to be. Let me pause you for one second. So it sounded like you know you had this huge demand for independence. Do you think that that independence was something learned based on you know tragedy, seeing your mom, or do you think that's something that like all of us want to have as is is like just part of our being? Here's the thing. I think that, and, and I write about this in my in my book, Sleeping with a Stranger. I think that we are all born with a script that society gives us. That this is how you're meant to act. This is how you're meant to behave. This is what is expected of you. 
And I think that, you know, for a long time, we read off that script and we think that we're doing the right things and we're checking the boxes, you know. And for me, that was like be an honor student in high school, um, graduate from college, get married, have children. You know, there's these things that we just that are expected of us. And my husband, he got ill. And that's when I kind of had to step into this role of the provider and all of this stuff. And during that time, I really found out that, wow, this like independence of, of not having to depend on anyone else except myself. Like I really thrive in this role. This actually feels like this was always inside of me. And it's just now really awakening. And I think, you know, growing up, and I think everyone's different, to be honest. I think some people are really meant to be a partner and to, um, to help assist others in doing something great. You know what I mean? Um, not everyone is meant to be the voice in the face or, or whatever. Um, but I think we have to, I think society tells us we have to be the voice in the face. You know what I mean? And so I think you really have to start to really ask yourself, what are the situations that I feel comfortable? Do I feel comfortable when someone else is leading or when I'm leading? Do I feel comfortable? You know what I mean? But I think we all, um, the universal thing that we all have is we all want to feel like our voice is heard and that we matter and that we're understood by someone. Yeah, completely agree. So you skipped on this really, really short. Like the cliff notes were almost too cliff noted. All right. So I want to backtrack just Let a second. Let me just tell you that I've been on a few of these and I have been cut off before. So I'm trying to get better. No, we don't want to do that. We're not going to cut you off. <laughs> so what were you doing like when you first got married? You get married, you you skipped ahead. You said you had three little kids and then you went into my husband fell ill. Let's back up just a hair. So like, what was your professional career? What were you doing? You know, like early on in your marriage, you got three kids. What, what was Jessica doing? So I graduated with a degree in communication simply because it was, it took me seven years to graduate with a bachelor's degree because I hated school. I was so over yep. it. I didn't want to be there. And I, I the went to a counselor's office who, by the way, was the worst counselor in the history <laughs> of college education. And I said, what do I have to do to get out of here the fastest? And she said a communication degree. So I was like, sign me up. Let's do this. And so I got that degree and then I married my husband. He was working, totally providing. And I sat on the couch for a year. Now, mind you, there was not a single human being that I knew at the time who did that. Everyone I knew, every girlfriend I had, everyone I knew from college, graduated college and got a job. And here I am. All I've wanted my whole life is this independence. And I am now, I went from being completely dependent on my father to now being completely dependent on a man, on my husband. And I did not like the way that felt. And, but I had to really kind of like sit with that. So I sat on the couch for a year and I um, wallowed basically. Um, And then I thought, okay, if I want to own my own business, I got to learn how to do that because I didn't go to school for business. And so there was a there was a store in town. It was called the Kitchen Store. I knew the owners. They were the only people on the planet that I knew that owned their own business, ran it successfully. And um, I went to them and I said, I'd, I'd like to learn how to run my own business. 
can I learn from y'all? And so I ended up staying there for about four years. I became the manager and the buyer there. Um, and the last year that I worked there was with the intention of buying that business. I was going to buy that business and become the owner. And um, then that was 2008 and the recession happened and um, we went to get a loan. I went to get a loan to buy that business. And they said, if this were two months ago, we could have loaned yep. this to you. But because of the recession, like we can't, we can only loan you what like the inventory is worth. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about a small mom and yeah, pop Yeah, there's shop. no value in that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, there's maybe a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff in there. Um, and even though all the numbers showed that, that, uh, that this business could support this loan. They just couldn't do it. The bank just couldn't do it. Yeah. So I left the kitchen store and I, um, you know, spent about a week again back with my old buddy, the couch. And I went to a holiday party and a lady came up to me and said, Hey, I know you'll probably never leave the kitchen store, but, um, I'm, I'm about to be a grandma. I want to stay home with my grandkids. I'd love for you to come work for me for a year and buy my business. And she owned a wedding rentals company. And I was like, okay, because all I wanted was to own my own business. I didn't care what that was. I would have sold knives for a living. I almost did. Um, so I went and worked for her for a year. Talk about it's so different, the event business, than, than an everyday retail store. Um, but I learned valuable things from both experiences. And January 1st, 2011, I bought that business. It was called a Southern Tradition. Okay, so keep going. So you're now a business owner. Are you completely satisfied? You're independent. You can support yourself. All your dreams are coming true, right? Uh, hardly. So <laughs> I believed I believed the myth that you work your, your tail off for five years. You don't pay yourself a dime. Yep. And if you can make it to the five-year mark, everything's good. And it, it, to me, I really believed that. Like I really thought that there was some kind of, um, like it was a race and that every year was a lap. And if I can just make it five laps, then when I cross that finish line after the fifth lap, that all of a sudden there's going to be like some prize at the end that goes, you earned it. Now here's the money. And here's now you don't have to work 12 hours a day. You can pick, you know, a few days a week that you want to work. I really kind of thought. I knew that it wasn't going to be that literal, but I kind of thought like that. That's just you pay your dues. And we we all hear those um, those statistics that you know, how crazy yeah. percentage of like what 90% don't last a year. 80% yes. don't last five. Listen, you're preaching the choir. My first business exactly five years. I never paid myself a paycheck. I worked 60 hours a week, even as a side hustle, it seemed like, and went through headaches and probably depression and anxiety. And like, it was miserable. And at the end of five years, I realized I have absolutely accomplished nothing except for taking on debt. Like it's time to just walk. Exactly. Away. And I did things that I really genuinely thought were were smart. Like I, um, a Southern tradition at the time was renting a building that cost $2,000 a month. And there was a building that came up for sale across the street, which this never happens in downtown. And um, I found out about it and I got it um, before it even went up for sale. But the mortgage on it was $3,500. You know, and I thought, well, I'd rather buy than rent. Yep. But I, I really thought like that was, but you can't do that if there's not enough money, you know, and the business made money. It would make about 30,000 a month, but it would spend 29.5 or yep. 31 yep. or, yep. you know, it was all, I could never, um, catch a break. 
And every day I would check my bank account worried that it, I was going to see it. In, I mean, it was never, it was very, very rare that it was in the thousands. It was yep. always like $330. And I'm like, <laughs> how is this possible? You know, yep. and then the next yep. day it'd be negative 81 and then whatever. And I'm like, but we're generating 30000 And I didn't really realize what my costs were, how much I was spending in costs. And I didn't have really any employees. I mean, I might have had one or two college students, but um, my husband would work all day and then he would come and um, to the studio and we would do everything. We would press the linens. We would pack the orders. We would pack the truck and the van and all this stuff. And I just thought that's what you do for five years. You kill yourself and then it, then it's all going to work out. So what does your husband think about this though? Because he's obviously supporting you. He's trusting you. You're running it. He's doing his own thing. But like at after five years, he's looking at it and going, well, honey, like at some point, are we going to make some money here? And you're like, you're justifying it to him. You want to prove it to him, but he's kind of starting to get a little bit skeptical. Am I calling that right? Like what, what was that? And, and I'll, I'll give you some, some context. The reason I ask this is because like the audience's podcast, a lot of us and myself included, like have gone through that or are still going through that. The truth is my wife has never listened to an episode of this podcast. She does not know what I do day to day. She has, she's never been to like a conference, an event, a mastermind with me. She still does not understand like the basics of e-commerce and she probably never will. So she just kind of trusts me. Right. But if I wasn't making money, I know that there would be that question. So like a lot of the audience falls under that same category. A lot of our audience, you know, they're people that are trying to like start a side hustle and their, their spouse doesn't know what they're doing. Like, so how does, how do you have that relationship with him where he keeps pushing on, but there's no money coming in. So I think that, you know, anyone who goes into business for themselves, they don't do it with the intention of, um, I'm never going to make money or exactly. anything, you yeah, know, yeah. the, but I, you know, two things, I told him everything that I believed, which was, um, this five years, I just have to hang in there and then it'll be good. He also saw how hard I worked. He was there every day and he saw how hard I worked. He saw the customers. He saw, and he, he trusted me when I said, you know, buying, um, hiring this guy to do this website is a good investment. It's going to bring in more people. The problem is actually what happened is we grew very quickly, but we weren't prepared for the growth. Yep. I had not set up the foundation for my business. Um, so I did move us to a better building. I did have a website. I now put us on social media. I now had things working online, but I did not have the foundation for that business to survive. And so there was a lot of costly things, you know, that you have to kind of do last minute and everything. And so the other thing that I will say about my husband is he said to me, he never, listen, he questions a lot of things. He's probably, um, he's naturally very logical. You know, I, he has a, a much firmer grasp on reality than I do. Um, he, uh, he is, he's way more pessimistic, I would say. And, but when it comes to me for whatever reason, and I don't, I don't really know why this is other than I was born for a purpose and he was born to support that purpose. You know, not that he was born to just do that, but that's part of his role is supporting that. And he has never questioned me. He has never, um, he has always believed that I would do something great. He just always knew that. And so we get to the point where I have my daughter and that's when I really, that was in 2013. And that is when I really went, okay, this is not why I went into business. 
Like mm-hmm. I went into business so that I could be as present of a mom as my mom was for me, but I could still have something that was mine. And to be honest, I didn't really care about like making a bunch of money or anything. I just wanted something that was mine. I mean, even if that meant I made, you know, $12,000 a year and that allowed us to go on a vacation, like that was enough for me. I never desired money was not the motivator for me. It was, I think, um, having something that was independently mine. And then um, time was the biggest motivation. And so, um, and if I'm being honest, I think a little bit in the beginning, as a 20 year old, you're like, as a 20 something year old, I was like, that, I think I found my worth in that a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, you take some pride in that. Like, you own something. Like, like you weren't the textbook perfect student, so you wanted to prove to people that like you could still be successful without being a four You know, master's degree holding person. At least maybe I'm just speaking about myself right now. But like, yeah, in your twenties, like you want to prove to everybody that you're capable of being successful, right? Also, I think for me too, growing up. I was a second born child, but you have to understand my sister died when I was three and a half years old. And so people viewed me as an only child. And I think I would get, even though, you know, my dad at one time worked three jobs to support us. I mean, he did better later on, but I mean, at one time he was working three jobs, I would still get told that I was a spoiled only child, which wasn't the case, you know? And I think there was part of me who felt like, no, I'm not taken care of by someone else. Like I am going to, I'm going to make my own money and do my own thing. And I think whether I made that money or not, just having my name on a sign on a downtown building made me feel like people would believe that. Yep. All right. So let's fast forward just a tiny bit. You've got a business that is not making any money. It's taking up all your time. You're starting to have kids. You want time for the kids, which you don't have. And We'll go back to what you said like six minutes ago. Husband became sick, became ill. Let's talk about that. Yes, he gets sick. So he was a financial advisor and he totally supported us for 11 years. And um, I now had a daughter who was um, a few weeks shy of turning two. And I had just given birth to twin boys. Okay. Um, Yeah, just let's just take a moment of silence for that. Um, Okay. so. My husband then gets ill, this mysterious illness that no one can diagnose. I know that any day he's going to lose his job. It's not a matter of him not being a good employee. If you, I just knew as a businesswoman, if you can't show up for work, they can't, they can't afford to keep you on. And so I just was like, I've got to figure out how to do this. Like not just take care of me, but take care of a family of five. And so um, I got really serious about how to turn this hobby business into a business. And I studied everything that I could about successful businesses. I took out a $100,000 loan and I hired um, financial advisors. I hired CPAs. I hired attorneys. I hired um, consultants. And I went to workshops. I read every book that I could, listened to podcasts just about the habits of successful people, and I basically built the foundation of my business. And once I did that, um, which it's not difficult, it's not easy, but it's simple. You you know what I mean? It's these simple steps. Once I did that, everything became really clear. And I think the problem is, as entrepreneurs, especially as, as beginning entrepreneurs, 
we're so in it and we're usually doing it solo that we don't um, take the time to step away. We have to, have to, have to have a moment where we step away from our business to work on our business. Because if we're constantly in our business, it's like being on a hamster wheel that doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. You have to stop the hamster wheel. You have to step off of it and you have to look and go, what's actually happening? But I think so many people are scared to do that. They're afraid they're going to lose clients or they're going to lose an opportunity. When in reality, I took off about six months to do that. Um, I was still working, but I like made time every day to work on these things. And um, and my business, I mean, it was, I mean, I went from bringing home zero money to after a year, bringing home six figures. And that sounds crazy, but it really is just about the foundation of business. And I think that so many entrepreneurs, they start out with an idea or a product and they're thinking about, how do I get this idea out to people and make money? How do I get this product out there and make money? And that is great. And that is wonderful. And your idea is needed and your product is needed, but nothing is going to survive. And you're never actually going to make money until you build the foundation of your business. So it sounds like you knew that all along. I mean, you're going on these five years trying to hit that magic five-year mark because then everything is just going to become rainbows and butterflies and unicorn dust, right? Like it's going to be awesome. But then you were forced to like, hey, it's time to quit screwing around. Like now it's 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 like ride or die time, right? Like it's got to happen. So if you could go back in time, right, to year three and make those same decisions to, as you said, take your business seriously. Like let's assume husband didn't get sick. Let's assume you weren't forced to. Let's assume that now you're speaking to 5,000 other people in your position now that kind of have a business going. They They kind of know what to do, but they aren't doing it. Like what do they do right now to put themselves in the scenario to pretend like it's go time. Like, what do you do? I think the very first thing that you have to figure out is what you actually need. I have a program called know your numbers. You can go to jessicazimmerman.com to find out more about it, but it is basically your, yes, you have your personal life and yes, you have your business life, but you aren't one way personally and one way business. You know, you're, I'm Jessica. I'm Jessica. Uh, and so it's not like I'm this other person um, in different. I'm, I'm able to put up boundaries and everything, but I think you've got to know what you actually need. You have to know, you have to set up simple things. You need to have a business bank account and a personal bank account. You need to know what do you actually need to bring in personally from your business. And once you know that number, and a lot of times it's maybe not even not that much, especially if you're someone who is doing this as a side hustle. You might like, what do you want? What do you need? You, you may just want, like I did, to go on a vacation, right? Then all you need is 12000 a year. Well, if you're in the wedding industry like I am, then, you, then it gives you so much freedom because you don't have to take every wedding opportunity that comes your way. It allows you almost to shift where you're in your position of power um, mentally. And you're able to go, I only need to take on six clients this whole year. That's all I have to do. That's all I need. Yep. And if I want to do more, then I know I'm going to make more. But you also have to understand your your cost. And so that's what my program Know Your Numbers is all about. And it sets up that financial foundation. If you don't know your numbers, forget it. Like you don't need to be in business. That's Then you're a hobby. If you want to be a legit business, you have to know your numbers. That is step one. 
Because then and only then do you know how much you can spend on these other things, how much you can spend on your marketing or your inventory or whatever. The other thing that I would tell you is to stop following anyone else in your industry, anyone else. And that is something that people often push back on me for. But the truth is, is that, you know, I used to run track in high school and I remember my coach saying, you cannot look left or right. That she's going to slow you down. You know they're there, but you got to stay in your own lane. You got to just look at the finish line. So you've got to keep your head down and you've got to do your own work because it's just human nature. If we see someone else, you know, all of a sudden marketing about, you know, on Facebook ads or something, you're going to go, oh, well, I need to do Facebook ads. And it's like, you may not, you may not need to do Facebook ads at all just yet, but you're never going to go off course and think that if you're not watching other people. So you just have to really... Um, stop trying to get inspired all the time. I, I love it. You know, people are like, well, I'm getting inspired. It's like, you've been inspired. Quit scrolling and do work. Do the work. You've got, I mean, there's no quick fix. There's no quick fix. There's no secret. It is getting up every single day and being committed to doing the work. So how do we balance all this? Because you're talking about a lot of stuff. Like we didn't use this word or we didn't use this term, but you've talked about your why. You know, your why was not always to make a ton of money. Your why might have been a vacation. Your why was to support your kids. Your why later on was to, you know, support the whole family when your husband, you know, couldn't work. So you've got a lot of different whys. How do you balance it all? Because you're a mom, you're a wife. I'm sure you've got friends and some sort of social life that you're trying to have, but you're also trying to run a business while separately trying to learn how to run a business. like So at some point, you're doing both of those separately. So how do you balance all of that without going crazy, without gaining 500 pounds, without burning out, and without like pissing off everybody in your life? Okay, so much of this book, Sleeping with a Stranger, is about that. So I'm just going to plug this for two seconds. Sleeping and with a really Stranger. really quickly, t- what's the title, Sleeping with a Stranger? Sleeping with a Stranger. Yes, but what does the title mean? It's about everything that we're talking about, which is when my husband got ill and I had to turn this business into a legit business, how did I do that? Um, because what's interesting is I think that a lot of people are are out there saying, and listen, I understand and I get it, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there, especially women, that are going, if you just do this, you can make seven figures, you can travel the world, you can be a mom to your kids and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, that may be true, but that comes at a cost. And none of you are talking about the cost. And that's what a lot of this book is about. It's about the cost. And then it's about what I learned from that cost, because basically, I don't want to give it all away, but um, when you, I was like a dog with a bone. I didn't want to lose my husband. I had lost my sister. And here now is the most important person to me besides her. And he, I have doctors telling me he's going to die. And I think if I can just get him the right help and get all the bills paid and everything, then he'll be fine. And it was a source of control for me. Work became a source of control. And it was, I can't control these things in my life, but I can control how successful I am in business. There is a motivation. There's something behind us that is, that is deeper into why we uh, need the, to be successful. Um, because there's something about success that is a lack of contentment sometimes, I think. Correct. And so it's like, what is the real issue? And I learned, um, that I 
was ba- I basically lived a life off of adrenaline. I gained, you know, 20 pounds. I had to basically stop and restart my life and realize that I had been neglectful. Um, that, uh, and there's a way, I mean, there was so much good that came out of it, but there was a lot of lessons that I had to learn. And I think to answer your question about the boundaries, the way I like to answer that is if you look up, um, the word balance in the dictionary, um, I hate it when people say like balance is a unicorn. It doesn't exist. It does exist. Balance is equal parts, distribution, and weight. And and in order to feel upright and steady. That's what the definition is. So your parts don't necessarily have to be equal, but I like to look at it. What makes you feel upright and steady? And for some women, working more than they're at home with their children makes them feel upright and steady. That's who they are. That's who they were born to be. They were meant to work. And there's nothing to be to feel shameful about that at all. Um, For some women, They don't want to work outside the home and they want to be at home. And that makes them feel more upright and steady and more of who they are. And they need to own that. There are times where I hustle really hard and I I almost don't like this whole culture that's been created by entrepreneurs. It's like, stop hustling. It'll all come. It's like, it's not true either. Like you have to hustle a little bit. And so I have seasons where I work really, really hard and then I might take a month and chill and be a little less rigid with my work. But it's that's what makes me feel balanced. I also have very clear work hours. Like this is when I work, this is when I stop. So that, you know, I don't have an email on my phone. I don't, you can go to my website and find all these tips, but, um, and there's freebies about all this and stuff, but at jessicazimmerman.com. But I just think that you have to, you can't, we live in such a, consuming world where everything is available all the time. Like take email off your phone, just have email on your, on your computer and only open your computer when you're at work, you know, um, or your email when you're at work, like at, at three o'clock when I'm done working, I turn off all of my email. And so I don't check it again until the next day when I work again, because what good does it do me? Like I can't, I can't solve some problem at 11 p.m. at night you know what I mean yeah. it just and, and then that and just it makes takes me a not toll sleep. on you yeah yeah I, I tell people all the time like you have to like slow down to speed up and I feel like there are two grave misconceptions in the entrepreneurial world one is the the concept of this four-hour work week like if you just set this thing up in six weeks you can work like there's I don't think there's such thing as a four-hour work week now I think that you need to outsource and delegate and all that stuff. But I, I don't know anybody that actually has a four-hour work week that didn't have 15 years of building something by working hours a week. But on the other hand, like you can't be on all the time. Like your efficiency, your creativity, your productivity drops substantially. Like I started putting my phone on airplane mode at night. Because what would happen is I would wake up at 4 a.m. and I'd look at my phone, I'd start getting emails and I'd start worrying about stuff and I'd see all these messages. And like it was awful. So like airplane mode, like I use Slack for like four different things. I, I took it off my cell phone and it's delightful. Like if someone really needs me, they can call me. So I, I couldn't agree more. And I know that you've talked about, I think in your book, something about this concept of the, the tortoise strategy, right? Like, does that play in here? Can you explain what that tortoise strategy is? So I was mentoring a woman uh, last week and she had all these ideas. It was like seven ideas. And she was like, I got to put all these on my website right now. And I got to figure out. And it's like, no, 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 no. You need, let's pick one. We need to pick one. We need to figure out 
how to how to do your best at that, perfect that, perfect the marketing of that, perfect the sales of that. What do your emails look like that go out when people buy this product? What does that sales page look like? They look at everything and they think if they don't get it out right away that they're going to forget it. They're going to lose it. I have a Google Doc every year and it's so November of every year is when I do know your numbers. I I do it every year for myself um, and I lead people through it. But I um, I have a Google Doc and every November I have a brand new one. But anytime I have an idea throughout the year, I will enter it in that Google Doc and it just says like 2020 ideas or 2021 ideas or whatever. And so when I get to November of that year, I can look and go, okay, out of all of these, what is it that I want to work to do this next year? Like what makes sense? And oftentimes like 98% of what I wrote down, it's like, oh, thank goodness I didn't waste time on that. That doesn't make any sense for where the company is right now. Um, so it, I, I think by writing it down, it allows it to get off my brain and I feel like it's not going to be forgotten. Um, but the tortoise strategy is really just about taking it a little slower and perfecting one thing at a time and not, um, grasping for things. There's a little bit of, you know, of passivity involved in allowing things to come. And that also comes with, you know, I I don't, I don't want to get too off track here, but one of the things that I talk about in sleeping with a stranger is really learning about mind, body, spirit. And the number one most important thing that I do every day is take care of those three things. And so it's the first thing I do. I wake up at four. I, you know, I meditate, I exercise, I do a devotional that's going to look, you know, different for everybody, but that's what I do. And those three things, if I handle those three things, then I am good and I can be the best mom to my kids, the best wife to my husband, the best leader to my team, the best consultant, you know, for people that I'm mentoring. Um, And, but it is, that somehow gives you this piece of, here's what I need to do today versus this panic of, I feel like that's where so many entrepreneurs come from is this place of panic. You're just never going to get anything done well if you're like, I got to get this out. I got to get it out now. And once again, they see someone else that posted something and they're like, I got to do that too. And it's like, you know, play your own game. Be the tortoise in this thing, and you're gonna you're gonna come out ahead. If that makes sense. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff out there, like shiny object syndrome. You know, especially like in the digital marketing e-commerce world, like there's a million ways to make money. It should all be successful. We don't know what to do. We're all chasing different things. I do believe, you know, in this concept of multiple streams of income, but which multiple streams? Like, how do I build one while I'm building the other? When when I was looking at the information that that was sent over to me, you know, prior to this interview. There was one bullet point that I found very interesting that I'm that I wanted to ask you, and it is about I have to read it the single cash generating strategy that's hard to believe, right? So something you want to share. So let me just take a step back. Let me say, you know, for those of you listening, let's recap here. Jessica and I both agree that like there's too much distraction out there. You have to stay in your lane. Sometimes you have to speed up to slow down. Like you need to have some some time away from the computer, some time away from the business, right? But we also need to make money. Like we need to prove to ourselves, we need to prove to everybody else. We need to make sure that like we're actually taking action on the things we're learning. Like we can read, you know, all the Gary V books, but if we don't start doing something, like it doesn't really matter. It was just a waste of investment and waste of time, right? So, Jessica, what is this one thing that would shock me that you would tell everybody like if you want to start generating, you know, income, side hustle revenue right now, like what is that thing? I'm going to tell you, and 
two seconds. I just want to back up for anyone who's wondering, how did you get from a wedding rental business to here? Um, so that year that I really took to figure out the foundation of business and everything, I read that one of the things that successful people do is they utilize their low season. For me, January, February, March was always a low season. Um, people weren't coming in wanting to get married. And I said, you know, we um, really turned this business around. I'm going to write about that. And it wasn't an intent. At this time, I didn't even know about like online courses or anything like that. I literally just wrote exactly what I did, put it in a locked PDF. I had um, no newsletter list. I think I had 300 followers on Instagram. And I wrote this program and I called it the business behind the blooms. And I sold 44 copies of it um, in a week. And I was like, and that to me for the first time felt really natural. Whereas the wedding industry, I felt like I was kind of a fraud. Um, there are people in the wedding industry who, my gosh, if they were told that they could never touch a flower again, they would be like, we'll end it now because I <laughs> love And I'm like, I can't tell you the name of a single flower. Like, I don't care. Um, I just don't care. To me, I am more about talking about real things. And so I just very vulnerably discussed my business and how I turned it around. And then I started getting these testimonies back of people who said, I've never booked more than a $2,000 client. And because of your sales process, I now book $20,000 clients. And I just was like, okay, this is what I'm meant to do. And that was a scary pivot because I just started to make money in the wedding industry. I mean, good money in the wedding industry. And then I decided, nope, I'm supposed to talk about business. And that's when I really um, started down the education route. So there's that. Um, that's why you see me featured in like Forbes and Business Insider and that kind of stuff. Cause now I talk about business, but for those of you who are like, eh, where's that connection? There it is. Okay. So Pinterest is the answer. Pinterest. Um, Pinterest is not a social media platform. Pinterest is designed. It was designed for the user to have an experience. Um, so it is a visual search engine. So just like we go to Google and we search for something, um, people go to Pinterest and they search for things and you want to be able to show up for them there. Even now, when you Google things um, on Google, uh, a lot of times, more often than not, a pin will show up as one of the top three, four or five, you know, things. I have a program. It's called The Power of Pinning. And again, you can find it at jessicazimmerman.com. I'm not here to like you know, hawk all these things. I'm just saying that if you need more information, there's free webinars and stuff all about it. But basically it is just to give you an example of how this works. So I was, um, taking my kids to San Diego and my husband, we were all going to San Diego, um, last year. And so I just start on Pinterest, like what to do in San Diego with kids, you know, and I come across this, uh, this pin and it's this lady and she's got this blog and she's called La Jolla Mom. And that's like a town right outside San Diego. So I start reading her blogs and I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you for all this information, La Jolla Mom. Like you have just answered all my questions. And on one of her blogs, she talks about this scooter. And she's like, this scooter is like a lifesaver. You take it to the beach. You can, it folds up, yada, yada. I'm sure it was an affiliate link. I bought three of these scooters. I wanted to email this woman and be like, thank you so much for this tip about these scooters. Like, this is unbelievable. Why? Because I 
was searching. It's what I wanted to find. I did not go into Pinterest wanting to buy anything, but I felt like a good friend had given me a gift, a secret, a tip. Rather than with Facebook and Instagram with an ad, you feel bombarded and you're like, I don't, I don't want a scooter. Why show me? I don't don't care about the scooter. I'm trying, I'm on here to like buy time while I'm, you know, waiting at the DMV and you're asking me to buy a scooter. I want to buy a scooter. If you do Pinterest correctly, which I teach you in the power of pinning, you're going to, you can make so much because you are getting in front of the people who actually want your product or service. And then the other thing that people will say is they'll go, that's great, but that's just vision boards and inspiration boards. That's how you've used Pinterest. You've used Pinterest as a user. You've never used it as a business owner from the other side in the way that Pinterest was actually designed to be used. And I teach you how to do that. And when you do that, then you start to see how you get in front of local people. Like I'm talking restaurants, bakeries, um, hotels can use Pinterest. And, and and I have over 2 million views a month right now on Pinterest. About 90% of those um, views get sent to my website. Then they get on a newsletter list. Then they buy my products. They buy my programs and stuff. I mean, um, I launched a book, a self-published first-time author in the, big, in the middle of a pandemic. And got on the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list because of Pinterest. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And you don't know this about me, but those of you that are watching this and saw me laughing when you brought up the name Pinterest, I've been preaching about Pinterest for probably five years. And people five years ago thought I was crazy when I was talking about the uses for Pinterest. And now a lot of those people that laughed at me are like (laughs) doing their own Pinterest courses because they finally figured it out. So I completely get it. I think that... I think that like to summarize what you're saying, like the way to make money is to provide value and to not sell like, cause people are tired of getting sold. You know, it's the Facebook ads, like you said, just constantly, constantly, constantly. But when you are looking for information, you find true value in it. Like I can't get my, my credit card out fast enough. Like I want to buy, you know, I think that, that the world is getting fatigued from just ads but the world right now is craving value and credible information. I think they're craving connection. I, I I completely agree. Yeah, you 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 didn't buy a scooter. You bought a solution to use while connecting with your family in La Jolla, California. Like that's what it is. So I couldn't agree more. So those of you that are listening, like, don't fall into this trap of selling something on Amazon and thinking the only way to sell that product is PPC on Amazon. No, like, there's 800 million ways of doing that. But good old fashioned, just providing value is like the best marketing that you can possibly put out there. And it's cheap. The Pinterest ads I run are like a 30th the price of a Facebook click. And nobody's talking about it. So thank you for sharing that. That's pretty, pretty uh, impressive. And I've never talked to anybody who like launched a book doing that. And it just goes to show like there's a million different ways to continue using Pinterest to, to gain traffic for whatever reason you have, you know, to, to monetize on. Let me just give one example. So I have a podcast called Zimmerman Podcast, a book, online courses. I actually still get inquiries every day about um, being someone's wedding planner or floral designer because of pins that I pinned five years ago. Yep. Uh, Pinterest is like a, a set it and forget it thing. You, you pin something once and it continues to work for you for years to come. It's incredible. And if you want like a free training, just go to jessicazimmerman.com. And I'll, That's great. I'll, great. Got one for you. 
Well, we're going to wrap it up, but before we do, like you're standing on a stage, there's five, 10,000 people listening to you. What's like the last piece of wisdom advice that you want to share before we wrap this up? It could be encouragement, it could be advice, it could be criticism, whatever it is, you've got the stage. I think it's that um, you were not meant, your heart was not meant to be trapped in fear. Um, you were you were designed for a purpose and that the only way for you to get to that purpose is to uh, is to do the work. And what I mean by the work is the the underground work that isn't pretty, that no one wants to do because uh, it's not Instagram worthy or no one sees you doing it and they uh, you know, you're not getting praised for it. But it's when we do that underground work. Um, whether that is getting, uh, you know, in better health, physically, spiritually, mentally going to see a therapist, or if it's doing the hard foundational work of a business, um, once we do that, then and only then can there be a breaking point to where the fruit grows. And that is, I think you weren't meant to live in this fear, anxiety, um, uh, stressed, state of mind. You were meant to live a peaceful life with a purpose and it is there. It is inside of you and you've got to do the work to find it. Couldn't agree more. Well, thank you for being on Jessica. I know you've mentioned it a few times. I'm going to say it again, jessicazimmerman.com and everybody loves free stuff. You mentioned you had a lot of free resources there. You guys go check that out. Learn something today and also support Jessica just by showing her a little bit of Facebook. Uh, I'm sorry, not Facebook, Google traffic love and help her realize that you guys are actually listening and paying attention to appreciate what she's doing. Also go out and buy her book. It is Sleeping with a Stranger and they can find that where? Uh, anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, you can go to jessicazimmerman.com and see the whole, whole list of bookstores. Yeah. Awesome. And if any of you found real good value in this, leave a review for this podcast on the main podcast platforms. If you're on YouTube watching this, give it a thumbs up, give it a like, comment below in the comment section. We'd appreciate that. And all the links that we've discussed are also in the comment section below on the YouTube format of this video. Jessica, thank you so much for being here. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you guys on another episode of AMPM Podcast. <laughs>